0: Pretty excited to be joined by Vanessa and Edie from Profit First Accounting on the Peninsula in Melbourne. How are you guys doing today? Good.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Excellent. So um, let's get kicked off. Like for anyone that's potentially on the call or uh, watching this as a recording today that don't or, or that haven't had the pleasure of meeting your lovely ladies before, um, just introduce for everyone, like, what it is specifically you specifically you guys do?
2: Well, we started, we started doing tax and conventional accounting and conventional bookkeeping, which is all to do with, you know, regulations and you must do it this way. Um, And then we met you and then we saw private first. So um, because it's more behavioral, we completely changed what we were looking at, looked at what we sort of really wanted in here rather than the academic stuff and said, yep, we're going to do that. And we've pretty much delved into the private first methodology. Really thoroughly, I'm now certified uh, and accredited, which um, has changed our everything. Really, we don't look at people uh, when they walk in the door as, as the way we used to. We, yeah. we look at whether or not uh, we've got something that's going to help them, but also, are they we the audience that we want to be working with is? And where before I might have grieved over the loss of a client or two, because. Oh, they're leaving me. Well, now we just go. Yep, room for the next one, because yeah. um, if they're not working on on their uh, figures at the same level as we are, then um, we've got our time better invested with somebody that needs that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think that the accountancy and the financial space is ripe, ripe for innovation and disruption, and. Um, Question I've got, I've got a couple of questions, but first one, do you guys get offended when you hear how people typically talk about accountants? And the reason I asked that is I was on a podcast uh, episode earlier today uh, with a lovely lady and she said that she came from a financial background and she was kind of um, having a bit of banter as I was about people coming from a financial background. And the reason being is I think typically accountants and you know financial planners, accountants more so though, have... Uh, not got the best uh what would I say reputation reputation. Yeah. reputation when it comes to actually helping business owners and what I mean by that is that typically you know part of it is the education of business owners because they're misconstrued that accountants should be looking forward in the business. Like account should be there to actually help my help me grow my business. And the scary thing is, is a lot of accountants are getting into business growth um coaching and consulting at the moment, which is not necessarily a bad thing. However what business owners first must understand is accountants really help you to look backwards into your business. Typically, the typically, yeah, looking back into your business, uh, work how you can save money in your tax returns. And this is where I think there's a space that you guys have moved into and what the profit first methodology stands for is something completely different because it has that element as more so a, a regulation, uh, requirement yeah. of business. But majority of the focus is looking forwards so can you kind of share with us a little bit about how that particularly works
1: 100 percent. when i first jumped onto one of your webinars it was um one of keith's webinars and he said um i hope that there's no accountants on this webinar because i hate accountants and i and i wrote back straight in the chat box well keith you haven't met us yet so um and that's true maybe you should hold your opinions on accountants back and yeah. that was a touchy point for me. And then I thought, well, actually, he's probably got a point. You know, if you've had a bad experience with an accountant before, that is probably going to
2: be your first judgment of an accountant. Yeah. But if... I've never fitted into the accounting box from the traditional perspective because I'm just not like any other accountant that you'll ever find. Um, And I'm pleased about that. I don't want to be uh, the, the very stiff proper, no, you're going to do it this way. This is the only way you're going to do it. And here's your money. Give me a bill. And it's never been like that for me because people don't actually relax. They don't tell you what you need to know. And I found that I had a lot of clients that did give me what they thought I needed to know. And we've actually gotten way down under much lower um, and deeper levels of information to get a better answer.
0: Well, I think there's a real opportunity because people technically like they have to go to an accountant, right? to, to, To get their tax and their baths and things like that signed off. And I think there's a real opportunity because you know, you guys and other accountants have the opportunity to turn the required into something remarkable, which is certainly what you guys are doing and what's been shown in your growth as well, because, you know, we have to go to account to get those things done. Yet, if you're able to offer a service that actually helps them far beyond just the, the required and makes it remarkable and actually allows them greater insight and clarity, that, that's a complete game changer. I, I, I guess I want to preface too, like any accountants or bookkeepers that are watching this, like no hate mail, like we're just having an open and frank conversation. There's plenty of shit coaches out there too. And I'm happy to, to put my hand up and, and, and agree that the industry, the coaching industry has been given a bad name as a lot of other things has as well. But you know, if you're at, you are an accountant doing a good job, like kudos to you. If you are an accountant that's actively going out there looking for ways to serve your clients, kudos to you. So how is it particularly that, specifically that you guys have gone out there to serve your clients in a, in a remarkable way, as opposed to a required way?
2: I've always done the compliance work, which is literally you do your bookkeeping from the point that Vanessa used to give it to me, and then you take it through the compliance work, you lodge the returns, you are normally directed to reduce tax, like you mentioned. Um, but we also say it really depends what you want out of this interview, because if you want something that is conventional and to reduce your tax, our advice is going to be quite different to if you want something that is going to drive your business forward. And in, in the historical sense, we never did that because the pressure is always on to get the next client through, the next compliance work done and just get everybody legal and, and up to date. So yeah. when we started doing this, we literally started looking at what can we do to help a business owner look to the future because with Vanessa's work, she does the stuff every week. She does the stuff every day. She sees what the transactions are. Whereas yeah. my work used to look back over a period of up to 18 months, which, you know, you can't fix things that have happened 18 months ago. Yeah. You've got to be on them straight away. So that's why when we got married, it worked really well because she could actually see something going wrong and she would say, hey, this doesn't look right. And so then when we started Profit First, it's a whole different way of looking at money. So instead of being compliance and all that, it's that's gone. Yeah. It's all money. When we have our first onboarding meeting, that's obviously where we ask
1: the client exactly what they're after. If they want us to handhold them every day or every week, that's exactly what we do.
0: Mm.
1: Um, we set them weekly tasks that they need to complete and then we follow through at the other end. Then we have weekly meetings with them or monthly meetings depending on what sort of package that they're on. Yeah. Our price is a fixed price so they don't get surprise bills here, there and everywhere. They know that that's a fixed weekly fee. Yeah. And then all of their services are included in that. So they get unlimited support
2: for what they're paying for, which they love. The, the, they also get the, to find out that we provide a service that's not available very readily because we find out where they want to go and how they want to get there and what we can add to that equation.
0: Yeah, the, the average business owner, and I'd go as far, to say that 90, if not 95% of business owners aren't across their finances. Um, not any way at all the way that they should be to be growing a profitable company. Um, and, and I honestly believe that the profit-first methodology should be a requirement for all business owners to manage cash. Like, it is just so simple and so easy to use. And, you know, you look back at, uh, you know, your elders who used to get their pay and divide it in amongst envelopes. So, so they had yeah. their... This envelope was for groceries and this envelope was for, for gas and this envelope was for household bills. Yep. And it meant that they could only spend what was available to them in those required envelopes. And what I like particularly about the way that this works in business is that, you know, I meet so many people that show profit on paper, you've got no cash in the bank. And with this that methodology, was- you've got the ability to actually have cash in the bank, even if you're not showing profit on paper, yep. which, is quite, which is quite a game changer.
1: reversal. Awesome.
0: Yeah, That was going
1: to be my next point. A lot of clients come to us and they say, you know, I've got this huge tax bill because I made a huge profit on paper, but I have no money. I have no money to pay this tax bill. Or well, we're almost at the point now, especially within our own business, that our profit and loss almost matches exactly what's in our bank account.
2: Yeah. So it yeah.
1: is real. It's a real, real um, time. Yeah, real time.
2: At a glance, banking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 it's, it's a phenomenal methodology. Let's, let's change gears a little bit. Like, I'm curious to kind of understand... Uh, prior to you guys uh, joining the game changers, you you were turning over um, hundred grand a year, a couple hundred grand a year. Um, Vanessa, I know you were working ridiculous hours to the point that you would often fall asleep in the office and not not get home to, to see your kids. Um, I remember interviewing you guys at about like nine months, I think eight or nine months in the program. at that stage you had more than tripled, tripled your income, significantly reduced your time, spending more time with the family. Um, last time I spoke to you, I think you, had, you guys had 6 x your average fee. Like typically accountants have, you know, the annual fee they charge for tax return at 400 bucks or 500 bucks or whatever the case may be. And you guys, the average fee at the last time we spoke to you guys is well above $2,000 um, yeah, per think, client.
1: I think our average fee now for a business is sitting up around 24000 a year.
0: Right. So you've gone from an average of 400 and something dollars to $24,000, which is, I don't even know how many percent that is, but it's, it's extraordinary.
2: Um, It it changes the level of service completely. It's not compliance. It's everything.
0: hundred percent. And it changes, changes your ability to do business. Yeah. Differently as well. Um, Let's kind of wind back to 12 or so months ago. Um, Where were you at and like what was your mindset or what was your mentality entering into the program?
1: Well, I didn't know there was a difference between mindset and what was going on within our business. Now I know that there's a great difference between the two and that your mindset needs to be right. And if it's not, your business isn't going to go where it needs to go. So,
2: I think that the funniest part was when we were McNiched for the first time and and Michael said, so what do you really want? And Vanessa said, and I quote, I want to work no more than 40 hours a week. I only want to do two nights a week and I prefer to have one of my days on the weekend to myself. And that was such an eye-opener because he said, what? Do you really want that? No, start again. What do you really want? And, of course, that was... That was such a different way of thinking of things. Because when you work in this business, there are peaks and troughs. And when it's busy, it's busy. You don't get any time because you've got to fit so many through.
0: Uh, Under the traditional model, under the old model.
2: And and if you double your prices, you'll still get the same amount of money, but you'll get a bit more space. But we didn't understand that. We didn't Mm -hmm. think that was the right thing to do because it's not fair. Well, what is fair if you're not providing the service? it's it's you know, people get what they pay for and if you don't give them the option of what they really need then they're going to pay for something that's only going to marginally help them but i looked at edie and i'm like is this guy batshit crazy like does he
1: actually think we can work less and make more money <laughs> and and since then of course we did and i'm scratching my head thinking how is this going to work and he's like hey so you need to train change the structure why are you charging hourly still and i'm like looked at edie i'm like why are we we're like, well, everyone else sort of does it this way. And I'm like, but we're not everyone else. We can change it. We don't have to run by everyone else's model. No, one of the, the
0: biggest, biggest mistakes okay. business owners make is, is pricing themselves based on the competition, the marketplace. And it's like, if you're doing that, you're forever like looking at the arse end of the competition. You're never getting a chance to innovate above and beyond them. And I think in business, the greatest innovations come when there's pressure applied like we have to find ourselves out of a corner that's when we innovate and create something new
2: well that was actually the innovation that i was about to say we went to a technology expo together and we thought we'll we'll have a nice day out of the office we didn't really actually go there with the intention of absolutely blasting our brains and changing everything we did We, we thought we'd go in and we'd have a look and see what's available and we saw all these different technologies receipt bank and asana and carbon and There were so many of them and we chatted to each of the the presenters and they literally showed us step-by-step how they were using each of these products. And we just looked at each other and said, we can achieve so much more in a day just by implementing these technology advances. And that's what we've been introducing to our our clients. They don't know they exist. They don't know how it's going to help them. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can run, well we've discovered that we can run a, a fairly thriving office with less staff because of those technologies
0: yeah this is where i I see a lot of businesses get caught in the trap that they believe that they need to sacrifice profits up front to grow and although although i I do believe that you need to sacrifice profits my belief of what that looks like and typical business owners is different like i believe that you always need to be profitable and you always need to be banking cash and and building a nest egg like i think that every business needs to be operating to where they have at least 10 percent of their annual income annual income so if you do a million bucks a year at least at least 100 grand in the bank as operational expenses for a rainy day fund and if you're not at that position you know you're, you're too staff heavy or you've got too many expenses and that's where i guess the methodology more so particularly the allocation uh template comes about to show you where your business should be sitting
2: yeah 100 yep. percent and we found that allocation percentage actually works really well and the staggering of the different turnover levels It just works. It's been tried and tested.
0: So when you came, came into the program, the mindset was like, oh, these guys batshit crazy. Like we're going to be able to make more money and work less hours. That doesn't even seem possible based on the past, but how did you kind of enter, enter in? And what did you notice changed around? Like, let's talk habits first, because it wasn't your mindset necessarily that changed instantly. Your mindset was getting the opportunity to, to create or to view a different point of life, but it was your habits that started to, to change that created different results. So what was it that you did specifically, or what did you notice about yourself entering in that was different to the way you were doing business beforehand?
2: I think we started the task board at first to look yeah. at what we were doing. Look at how much time we were wasting and how many things Vanessa could do um, my My work was fairly stable, but vanessa's a lot of it was quite repetitive and once we looked at the task audit, we realized you're flittering from emails, answering phones at you know ridiculous hours like seven a m uh, responding to messages because someone wanted you right there and then, so then we started batching the work, um looking at how to use the time of the day more effectively with us not starting in the office till ten and wanting to leave by five. So how do we fit everything into that time frame? Batch it, dispatch it, delegate it where you can. And we did a lot of that sort of uh, preliminary work to look at what our business constructed
1: of. And also using the tribe. So um, using the Facebook group, showing up to Sherps every single week. Like I didn't miss one for at least six months. I went every single week and asked any question I needed to ask, listen to everyone else. Because even when you don't think you have a question, listening to someone else's question will bring up a question that you didn't know that you had. So even that, just the stability of having something to do every week and setting yourself that routine, then led to routine within the business.
2: Also the changing of um, our goal setting, that really made a difference to how we started looking at our daily tasks. Yeah, we never had goals before that. Like. We didn't actually have our parameters, targets, um, growth charted in our minds. We just thought, oh, we'll do what comes in the door like most accountants do. And and once we'd actually talked to Michael again, that McNeish person, um, <laughs> he started telling us, so who do we actually want to work for? And we'd never looked at it like that. Who Who can we help that's going to put money in our bank account, but what we do is going to put money in their bank account? So... what market market do we want to serve? And it wasn't the people we'd been looking after at all. We didn't want to do our returns anymore. We wanted to actually see the growth of, because Modessa does a lot of work with tradies and a tradie is typically limited by his number of hours. So by doing what we were doing, we were actually able to help them quadruple their incomes. And then we became an investment and not just a compliance cost.
0: Yeah. So let, let's break down a few key distinctions. So first and foremost, number one is that you question your current model. Like you're able to see that your current model was maxed out. Like you're working ridiculous hours and making making no money. And unless you threw more hours at it, there wasn't going to be an ability to grow. Now, Not every business starts off that way, but that's how you guys you know, started off. So you question, okay, well, well, this is the current model. It's not working where do we want to get to? Which you, you set some clear defined goals around, you know, moving from where you were to where you wanted to be. Question then, well, does this does this vehicle being the current model of the business actually get us to where we want to go? And then went through and and essentially audited your time, which is something we recommend for everyone to then understand where are we wasting time to start to kind of leverage some of that wasted time back to, to make some more money, to create some space to, to, to be able to then innovate the current model. Um, and from that you changed the habit around showing up weekly to those coaching sessions, rain, hail or shine, asking what you needed to ask, but also listing in on the other people which you're saying then created a discipline and a habit within the execution of your business. Exactly.
2: Correct? And that led to the systemization.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the next I kind of phase that you guys started going through then is is systemization. Is that is that what the next phase you went into? Yeah. Because
1: then we yeah. found all the leaks where we were possibly losing time, things were getting missed that we needed to then systemize to create more time and create a better business quality. that served our clients and a better quality of service.
0: And this was through this was through like the task audit identifying you know those those tasks that you could potentially delegate to someone else. when did the when did the change come about because I know we spoke uh, like a little bit to and fro with you guys in the beginning around hey like you really need to change your model and your service offering. This is what we kind of recommend and and be okay to let go of current clients if they're not wanting to come on board. Like when was that solidified, that change in actual structure to where it's like, yes, this is what we're doing and this is what we're focusing our time on now?
2: I think we hard, re- we've rebranded. The hardest part for me was um, yeah. we needed to rebrand. That was a separate issue, but it actually ended up being a bonus. Um, yeah. But letting go, go of clients I'd looked after for a long time because they really weren't going to progress. We knew they weren't going to progress. And then when we decided to rebrand, we were looking at something that would leave that identity behind and give us the chance to start with new ideas and no preconceived, like Tax After Hours was my previous name, but it meant people expected to talk to you at 11 o'clock at night. They expected to talk to you. No offence,
0: but that's normal. the worst. That is the worst name to condition your on no, It's like, hey, hey, I have no life.
2: Yeah. Call and, me and anybody, the
0: was, any time the of the day i Sunday, Sunday. I was
2: September. having people rock up at my front doorstep Sunday, 7am. Yeah. So w- once we decided that that model didn't suit what we needed... You, could,
0: we, have called, you could have called it 12 to 2 tax return.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we could do that now. But I don't think that's what we want either.
0: Yeah. So, like, what challenges did you come up with inside yourselves, like, over the past 12 months? Like, what challenge have you noticed coming up inside? I know there's been a thing recently. We'll get to that in a second. But what challenges have you guys come up with personally through this journey? Let me
2: go. Actually accepting that what we had is not what we're going to... Um, be embracing i posted something recently about how a shark can grow to eight inches if it's in a shark tank that's only a fishbowl but if you put it in the sea it can go to whatever destiny length it's supposed to grow to and, and i think we would put it we had ourselves in that fish bowl, and then we mm. took the fishbowl away and now we're just letting um the right size find us i mm. think a lot of this
1: stuff for me as well i'm such a control freak so for me to let go and try and let the systems do what they're allowed to do, and try and let my staff um, do their thing, and maybe trusting so that I'm not in the office as much
2: has been really hard for me. And in some ways, that backfired too because we didn't. Well, we learned a lot. we will just have We learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot let's of
0: things talk, we let's talk about some. Of, let's talk about some of the challenges uh, and the the opportunity you guys have had to learn because let's be honest, business is always going to have its problems. They never go away. It doesn't matter how much you systemize or what staff you hire or how good your marketing is like, you're still going to have challenges and it's more about who you become during those experiences that you know you can take on anything and actually seek them rather than uh, kind of run from it. And one of the interviews that I had earlier today as well um, was talking around, you know, like the worst thing that could happen is you feel like everything's okay in business and, and, and everything's going great. Cause that's when the biggest red flag is that you're actually taking your off the ball and something's about to to knock you off. So what have been, what have been some of the growth opportunities that you guys have been presented with over the last 12 months through you know, letting go of being a control freak, putting systems in place, rebranding, changing your name, changing your offering charging more money, getting rid of old clients, all that sort of stuff. Like what have been some of the big things that have um, struck you guys along the way?
2: Taking on the major client that didn't really work out. That was a huge one.
0: Yeah.
2: Because the client themselves were, had their heads in the clouds. And every time we, we really onboarded much better after that because the questions that we didn't ask would possibly have revealed they were in layer upon layer of debt, which they did not disclose. And, They had crazy plans. They wanted to start a business and go and get impregnated with twins in South Africa at the same time, and that was going to work. Um, There were so many red flags there that we hadn't worked out how to bring to the surface, but that was a huge learning curve. and I learned a lot from Vanessa for that because she set boundaries. I've never been good with boundaries. And she said, no, they're not running how this office works. We are, and we won't be discussing anything with them before 10 a.m. And if they want to send us seven emails between uh, 11 p.m. and 7 a.m., we'll answer them when we get to them. So yeah. it was there were so many different steps um, of, of discipline, of learning, of boundaries, and of then working out whether a client is actually going to fly or not. That was yeah. a big one. Were and you, I said, hey, you, remember you what?
0: Sorry, I was just going to say, like, we, we train our environment how to treat us.
2: You that's know? exactly if right.
0: You pick the phone up at 6am in the morning, you're, you're giving the OK signal to pick the phone up at 6am in the that's, morning. And
2: that's what Vanessa was teaching me. Because she said, no, we're not doing that. And I'm thinking, but tax after oh, it's not tax after hours anymore. <laughs> so, yes, we could start our new identity. We could start new rules. We could start a whole different pattern of how we work.
0: Yeah, what were you going to say, Vanessa?
1: Uh, exactly what you said. I I kept saying to her, remember what Michael says. You tr- you teach your clients how to treat you, and yep. I book out Thursday mornings between eleven and twelve thirty, so no appointments can be booked in because it's shirt time. Yeah. And this yeah, client... I, got-
0: that that's an interesting thing. We 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 have a number of clients, um, no doubt, many that are watching this uh, either t- today live or uh, in the training portal as well, that say they can't get to the calls. And the reality is, is it's not that they can't get to the calls, it's not prioritising the calls. Like, yeah. you know, we could have many time of the day and we'll still have people say, oh, I can't get to the calls, they're not, they're not convenient. And, you know, maybe not every week, but at least once a fortnight, once a month, if you choose to prioritise them. Because, you know, as we have in one of our big banners, you either find a way or you find an excuse.
1: Yeah, We have an open office, which means everyone's desks are in the same room. So we book out the whole office and everyone has to listen to SHIRT, whether they're in on the call or not. So um, I booked this time out and this client rocked up without an appointment. And I said to Edie, tell them they they haven't got an appointment, so they can't come in right now because we're, we're booked. And Edie went downstairs and still had the appointment with them at the bottom of the stairs. And when she came back up, I said, that's not cool. You've just pretty much told them that they can do whatever they like and they're not the ones running this office, we are.
0: Ooh. So, so, uh, so
1: that was a learning. That
0: impacted, like that's, that is some significant boundaries, right? Yeah. Awesome. Like like, kudos to you. How, how has that affected the way that you guys operate business now having those firm boundaries in place?
2: Great. The clients have more respect. The clients have got an allocated time and if they don't use that time, They don't get another one um, because otherwise they just always do, oh, I was running 10 minutes late or I was, you know, uh, I couldn't take your call or whatever. If you've made a time to make that call, well, we've made the time and here's the result, I don't get another face-to-face with you until the next call that's been appointed. We've implemented a new system, which is if they miss their appointment time, we'll do
1: a Zoom without them, video record the Zoom and send it to them like they were sitting here so they they've got the information that we're going to give them. If they didn't make their appointment, they've still got it and they still get billed for the time.
0: I love that. This is where I see a lot of business owners um, come from that scarcity mindset that, oh, no, but I don't want to lose this client or this client's paying me. And the moment that you start to take on board those biases, you're you're unconsciously programming the environment to, to treat you that way. And you'll get more and more and more clients that show up that take that from you. Like yeah. we don't see the world the way the world is, we see the world the way that we are. And if we allow these things to encroach on our boundaries, before we know it, we have no boundaries.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Where where are you now? And what has been what has been the biggest impact for you guys uh, as a result of that?
2: I think using the technologies, all of those technologies I talked about incorporating those really opened up our world to the fact that we can quantify, m- multiply our time and, and how we use it. Um, and then we, we have also done the traditional adding staff to free up Vanessa's time. And we found that we did that the wrong way, um, but it was still a very necessary learning curve, I think.
0: Um, what, what, what sort of technologies have you guys implemented that are saved save that time?
1: Uh, we, we use Zoom a lot, yeah. which we never used before. And cuts
2: yeah. out a lot of travelling time.
0: Yeah. So uh, I can't
2: remember the last time I've travelled to a client.
0: Got it. Yeah.
2: Uh, so yeah, so that quantifies, you know, it means that all of that extra travel time is now billable time, not rubbish. Um, and we've also in- got our carbon is tracing all of our uh, emails and tracking a lot of our um, communications and job flow, so we don't miss things nearly as easily as we would have previously. Um, Only
1: checking emails twice a day, so I'm not putting out spot fires all the time.
0: Yeah,
2: and the um, receipt bank component meant yeah. that our auditing—we um, still have had a couple of, of issues with the auditors saying, you know, we're, we're still watching your clients, and we want—we uh, want this documented to this level. And with Receipt Bank, the last audit we flew through it because Vanessa had absolutely everything. The client was aware that if they made those claims, they would be audited because we could warn them. And then when the audit happened, we had they had the audit insurance so that our work was then paid for and everything was documented and the auditor was totally 100% happy. And that did not happen last year. And it was a very painful learning curve. <laughs> So I'm very impressed with how that
0: worked. Yeah. So Receipt Bank, go Receipt Bank. Yeah, yeah, Receipt Bank's uh, amazing. So let's talk about staff. Let's let's have a chat. Go
2: there.
0: Let's, let's have a chat about staff. So uh, we got a chance to catch up a few weeks ago and have a drink. And I know that you guys were, and let's not, for confidentiality reasons, let's not divulge names and things like that. Uh, this is more so like the lessons and the extraction that we can take from... Not just that experience with that particular um, past employee, but your journey with staff in general. Like you, are, you guys obviously went from um, being like two, a two-woman band, uh, working all hours, literally working. <laughs> like, isn't isn't that isn't that ironic to go back and look at what you're working and what your business name was and see that it is complete synergies compared to what your business name is called now and yeah. the state of your business and the state of your cash flow and the state of your clients. Like it's, it's not uncanny that our thoughts are creative and you know, where our focus goes, our energy flows and our results show. Um, what's your journey been like with staff? Like, you know, systemization was something you guys started with early on. Tell us about staff.
1: So we had our first hire in February. Yeah. And we hired her as a practice manager, full-time employee on a salary. Yeah. Um, Then we were just three people which we had been for a while. I was very trusting in that and I obviously let the guard down thinking that everything was running really smoothly. Um, We were probably not on top of things as much as what we
2: should have been. We weren't on the same page and I think that's been the biggest problem for me because um, we both had a different view on what our employee was doing but just having an employee in the I'm, room, sure,
0: I'm sure they probably had a different view on what they were doing as well. It wasn't just you two.
2: Yeah, but the other thing was that just having that third person in the room changed the dynamic with us. And I don't think I fully appreciated that until this week when we've both... Well, I've been injured this week and I've missed a day, but we've been smashing it out of the park because we've been concentrating on what we needed to do, not concentrating yeah. what the third party in the room and I didn't realize how much that was draining us, or our focus away from what we needed. Um, and the other part of the story there was that uh, we had one of us had a relationship with our former employee beforehand, um, and that we thought we'd negotiated that if things didn't go well, we had it sorted, and that everybody would be grown up about it, and it would just, you know, life would go on. That's not how it's turned out, and That's been a painful exercise both for our employee and for ourselves because we never went into that arrangement with with any concept that it would go um, toxic. But having gone there, um, I think if we'd have been able to communicate better, I always think that the problem's top down. I think that the employee was not the problem. We didn't do it right. Um, And that's the learning. We just need to make sure that we learn from it.
0: That's huge onus on you guys to take responsibility. I'm curious, like with everyone else on the call live today, how many of you guys have had a uh, less than desirable experience with employees? Uh, and I'd love to know if you want to jump in the chat and let us know what you learned from that as well. So, I completely agree. Like, if I look back at my personal journey of hiring staff, um, the way that I go about like recruiting, hiring, onboarding, training, retaining, offboarding now is so different than what it was ten, fifteen, eighteen years ago. And I'll never forget the first employee that I had to let go. Like I'll never forget that feeling of having it was like having to break up with someone. Yeah.
2: yeah that same, That's
1: exactly what it was. That same
0: I, I, felt
1: that felt same, like I divorced my husband.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's like once you rip the band aid off, it's so much better. But ripping the band aid off and the carry on and everything else that goes on is is what were the key things you learned so like top let's get more specific because you can go oh yeah we're a cause great we take responsibility leaders top down what were some specific things that you've learnt or you're learning through this process that might be a value to the to the rest of the guys watching this
1: if edie and i had have got on the same page quicker and we had have listened to each other it's that six six nine nine scenario edie was seeing it one way and I was seeing it another way, and we weren't communicating effectively to see it from each other's point of view. So we were just bashing heads as two directors, you know, trying to make a final decision. We weren't on the same page. So this probably prolonged it a month longer than it, it should have. a month
2: more.
0: Well, I was going to say, like, like every single staff member I've let go of, um, I've looked back and gone, mm, like, that was two months, three months overdue. Like, like yeah, they should have. And and it typically worked out worse than if they had have just gone when I first felt to move them on
1: yeah, by, yes. by,
0: by keeping them around because they didn't want to hurt their feelings or because yeah. they might change.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I remember that a mindset webinar that we did with you, Barry, you said to grow a successful business, you must be prepared to lose something. And yes. I wrote down on my piece of paper, I'm prepared to lose something. Um, a family member or something, but I never, ever in my wildest dreams thought that I would lose a best friend or a house or anything along those lines. But I guess when you're trying to grow a business, what are those material things in life? Yeah, You can always get another house, you know? The meaning of a friend is someone who'll be there regardless and understand any decision that's needed. And so maybe that friend wasn't really a friend after all. So is it that big of a loss?
0: Yeah, maybe, but, but don't look too far away as well. Like, you know, we could make a whole bunch of judgments now yet. None of that changes the outcome. Right. And we can't change how that person or persons ever respond. What we can change is us. And, you know, if I look at my own experience, like I had to let go of my brother at one stage, I let go of like close friends and I've had both the toxic experiences and the great ones. And, you know, Recently, over the past 12, 18 months, they've all been somewhat good experiences, you know, like like there's not, nothing has come back like it used to in the early days. Yeah. And what I found in my approach, um, I found an approach that works quite well, which is actually sitting them down and saying, hey, like, where are you at? Like, are you happy? Are you actually, you know, do you feel that you're actually fulfilling your role here at the company and really having a conversation with them from a place of love? rather than like, oh, there's a performance issue, like questioning where they're at. Because I, I believe, I honestly believe that employees know. Like if you've made a decision that someone's not cutting the bill, they, they start to feel that and they know that that's there sitting in the system, whether it's consciously or not. And having a converse, like, conversation like that allows it to be brought through to the conscious and it's vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to getting to the, to the end where it's like, see you later. And then all of a sudden they're shocked and awed. And then the battle has come out.
2: Yeah. I had, I had staff previously, uh, several years ago, and I didn't think much of that experience then. I decided that it wasn't my forte to manage staff. And so that's one of the reasons why I put more of that onto Vanessa. Um, and, and I still take responsibility for that decision because it was wrong. Vanessa wasn't ready for it. Uh, and Vanessa had too close an alliance with this lady anyway. So we still should have been doing that together. Um, yeah.
0: There were so many learnings from that. Yeah, yeah. A company of guys is stronger. Here. Yeah, a couple of guys here, Vicky. Um, oh yeah, learned a lot about ownership, boundary setting, and communication. Yeah, uh, Pete as well. Yep, yeah. has staff with poisonous, and she got rid of them quicker. Yeah, like, and you guys mentioned before as well. Like one poisonous staff member, it's kind of like, excuse my my maybe poor judgment of analogy, but it's like cancer. Right? Like one one tumour in the body can have a massive effect on the way the whole entire system works. And it's yes. the same with having a, a staff member that's poisonous or a staff member that's poor performing. It can bring the whole entire organisation down. Exactly. To a, to a level where you don't necessarily know what's going on until that person's removed. There's a sense of relief and everything kind of restores again. Um, Pete says, uh, scared that clients uh, she worked on would leave worth 15k plus, but at the end of the day, I needed to trust um, they here as a result of the company, not the individual. Um, i think on the same page. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. What happens if I let this staff member go and they, they take half the clients with them? Mm. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, if we're open, if we open time and space to have a real conversation, we walk through the door together. Yeah, totally, Steve. Uh, one poisonous, one costs me three others. That's another great point as well. Like.
2: Yeah.
0: If you have these A-grade players that are seeing one person be acceptable to the standard, it's potent- potential that they're going to leave as well. They're going to yeah. get frustrated. They're going to feel like they're being mistreated, or they're going to lower their standard to to meet where that C-grade player is.
2: And I've done that in the past. That was a, a, a lesson I learned when I was running childcare centre. I had uh, it wasn't actually a staff member; it was a client, and I changed the rules for that client. And the staff basically said, "That's crazy! They're not pulling their weight as a client, and yeah. you're you're allowing other people to drop our standards." So that was actually quite valuable feedback. It's the
0: thing the thing we need to look out for is actually not the not not the C grade staff members; it's the B grade staff members, which I've shared before to to our members is that you know the C grade staff members it's very clear and obvious that they're not pulling their weight so the the radars on it's the B grade staff members that kind of fly under the radar like they do just enough to not really have any alerts go off but not enough to really keep the business moving forwards and it's the B grade players that will actually cost you business the most in the long term because they're most of the time they are un, they're undetected and yeah. you know for me this is why like I kind of work on the analogy of, of um, hire slow and fire fast. Yeah, Once you have determined that someone's got to go and, and yeah, they've been through a bit of performance period, just rip the band-aid off, yet be okay to hire slow. And the reason being is we went through a period where we kind of hired fast and like, oh, if they don't work out, we can just move them on. But there's a significant cost to the culture when your team has new team members come in, that they onboard, they're happy and excited, they're coming in and they're sharing responsibilities and all of a sudden they're back out again. Now, although they understand this person wasn't necessarily a right fit. There is a, there is a cultural cost and energetic cost to the organisation by, by having those people come in and out so often.
2: I think that's why we were slow, slow to get, uh, to solve the problem because we had actually done that exciting bonding thing. Uh, It was quite hard once we recognised it. once I actually saw what Vanessa was saying and that it was economic rather than um, personal. Personality rather than personal, I could see that there was no choice. Yeah. Before that, I wasn't seeing that that economic reality, and I thought it was a completely different problem. Yeah.
0: So we first, th- um, we first, in, in order to solve a problem, we first must understand what problem we're solving. Yeah, you know, which and, and once we understand what problem we're solving, it's it's ninety percent of the way solved already. It's just often we don't take long enough to work out what the problem is we're actually trying to solve.
2: Well, then Vanessa said, well, thank you for being, you know, having my back. Um, this week's been really awful, but it's been much, much easier because we've been doing it together. And as soon as I realised what the problem was, there was no other way to do it. It yeah. happened. Um, and, and so that's when we started to see um, that together we move forward.
0: Yeah. yeah. What do you think are your kind of top three takeaways of how managed to to get the results you've got. As I said, like you've you've tripled possibly even four X now your revenue last 12 months. Um, significantly taken your average sale from four hundred and thirty odd dollars to twenty-four thousand dollars now, which is just extraordinary. Got a got a ton of time back, systemized, brought staff in, like a huge achievement in, in a relatively short period of time. What do you think, and happy for you guys to answer three each, what are the three kind of key factors do you believe that's made that happen?
2: with uh with having one client worth twenty four thousand dollars, you you've obviously got to put a lot more time into that client but just think about how many that makes way for you can get rid of 50 clients to do that um and then you you've got all your focus in where it needs to be instead of like whenever you take on it's like when you have one child versus two childs versus three children. now one plus one plus one it's one multiplied by and the factor of variables is so much bigger. If you're only concentrating on one set of business uh, issues rather than 25 that you've managed to replace, then you do your job better because your focus is better. Your your grasp of the situation is much more comprehensive. And we had not really looked at doing it that way before. So Mm. for us, it was once we got the picture, we were quite um, able to embrace it. Mm. First, I feel for like second, the second. the restructure and the pricing, um,
1: working off packages rather than hourly rate. Yeah, that's been a major that made it impersonal.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty hard to build a skyscraper on a dodgy foundation, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, the systems, so systemizing to make our daily flow a little bit better. And consistent. And consistent. So each client that's onboarded now is onboarded in the same way, which makes our job easier because it's
2: routine.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. And
2: I think that the value for money, as soon as we realised what we were giving in our service um, and what actually that could mean to the client, it stopped being hard to charge for it because Mm. we were investment. We weren't cost. Yeah. And that's a major difference. And it's like when we've now, instead of having an employee, we've got subcontractors, they're part of our, pa- our cost package. And it's much easier to hire them for the whatever number of hours because they're directly rewarding us with multiplication on their work.
0: The business is so, more predictable because you've got yeah. fixed, fixed cost of sales.
2: Exactly.
0: Okay. So, so three things, first thing first, second thing second, third thing third. Um, second thing is about building the solid foundation in terms of your pricing, and getting your model right before you look to scale. And the third thing is then building in systems. So there's a repeatable process of how you're onboarding clients and how you're working with clients moving forwards. And the thing that I'd probably say too, is there's obviously been a, a significant shift and an ongoing shift around your mindset as well to go from obviously where you were, which is like, what, like we can make more money and work less hours. Like, how's that even possible to being where you're at now, and as I said, like a relatively short period of time, you've been willing to to show up and make those shifts internally and have the discipline and dedication to show up to the, the Sherps and so forth as well.
2: Yeah. I've, I've been suggesting to Vanessa that we could work five hours a week um, and she's just got to get her mindset around that. She hasn't quite got there yet. I'm still over the fact that we're taking
1: home more than $150 a week each, so I'm still, like, working past that.
0: that. I'll never... I never forget one of the the uh intensive events uh, where you said to me Barry, like I'm making all this money like what do I do with it because you were still <laughs> you were still conditioned to live on what you had been making uh, obviously you know a year or so ago that you're like what do I what do I do with all this extra money now I just it was that's absolutely- what it is. you put it in
1: the I bank I still just bank it I don't use it <laughs> Yeah,
0: bank it, invest it, invest I still,
1: it. it's there. I still live the same way. I'm buying a block of land now, which I never thought I'd be able to do, which is awesome.
0: So good. Huge congratulations to you both. If you're in a position that many of our clients were before joining us, which is that your business is controlling you, rather than you controlling your business, We would love to have a chat to you to see whether or not we might be the right fit to partner with you to help you grow and succeed in business. Over the past eight years, we've helped hundreds of business owners around the world to grow, scale and succeed in business. Uh, Many of our clients report we've helped them to triple their profits and double their time off in 12 months or less. If you jump onto YouTube and notice the hundreds of testimonies, you'd see that this is a common theme amongst them. If you're a business owner that's generating more than $300,000 a year in annual revenue, uh, whether it's $500 million, $5 million, $10 million a year, and you're looking to take your business and your life to the next level, we might be able to help. If you're noticing that your business is lacking structure, maybe systems or processes, maybe you're not quite attracting enough or or the right type of quality leads, making enough sales, or maybe you're even having issues finding, hiring, retaining and training the right team members, we could be a fit for you. Ultimately, we believe that we never have business problems, we have personal problems that are expressed through our business and a lot of the work we do is with you as a business owner, helping you to constantly upgrade the way that you see life, the way that you make decisions and the way that you help construct a profitable and purpose-driven business. In order for us to do that though, you need to book in a quick uh, 15 minute application call with one of our scaling specialists here at The Game Changers. Through the 15-minute call, we're gonna ask you a bunch of questions to see if or how we might better help you. If we can't help you, we'll let you know politely and do our best to point in the direction of someone that can. However, we can help you. We'll look at booking you a one-hour game plan session where we're gonna dive a lot deeper into where you and your business are at right now, where it is that you want to go in the next three, five, and 10 years time, and what are the potential roadblocks or challenges or even opportunities that are along the journey in order for you to get there faster. If you're really feeling that it's time for you to experience the love and the joy of running a business again, if you're really wanting to experience a business that does actually operate without you while still producing profit, uh, we may very well be the right fit. So book in a 15-minute call. We can have a chat and uh, see where we go from there. My name is Babbo Diddy, and uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully, we get a chance to talk soon.